Welcome back to Changing the Times. I'm your host, Josh Dacey, alongside my colleague, David Ulack, and our favorite football coach who kicks off his season tonight up against uh, Mr. Acton. Spencer, what time do you leave for a kickoff? I'm hiding that playbook. Um, I was like less miles chewing the grass yesterday. Spencer, what time do you leave? Four, well, I got to be at the school at, at 345. They said four o'clock, but I got to be there. You know, for me, it's got to be at 350. So got to get lunch after this and get ready to go. Okay. Spencer. Don't be late. It's a full day affair. So Spencer, is the JV team playing tonight or no? Tomorrow. Will you be, you'll be coaching that one, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see how all of that works. Okay, so um, David, welcome back. Obviously, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done this. Uh, as the season gears up, we're only about less than two weeks away from kickoff, the official start of kickoff, and and ironically, you know, this this COVID thing just doesn't seem to go away. Um, I, I believe Cam Newton was sent home a couple of weeks, a couple of days ago. Uh, then you got Quote Beasley, who has been very strong against getting vaccinated. He was sent home. Uh, he was in there, it got involved with being near a trainer who had been, had had COVID. Uh, and then he, he contracted it uh, or he didn't contact it. Um, and then, then you got nine Titans, Tennessee Titans who had issues last year with this. David, some of the guys, I, I believe which uh, Buffalo bill receiver got fined for that 14,000 and $600. McKenzie. Yeah. McKenzie. So, David, your thoughts on, on how the NFL is handling COVID? I worry about the players on the field that are playing and not the ones that are off the field and not available. Um, we can take this one day at a time and, you know, next man up mentality. But all, all joking aside, it really doesn't bother me. It, it is what it is. You know, COVID's part of life. I don't even think it's really uh, – I think it's an overblown storyline at this point. It's, at some point, every team's going to get hit with it and – you know, it just is what it is at this point. I mean, whether you're vaccinated, unvaccinated, it doesn't seem to actually matter, you know, how anything is handled, you know, as far as timelines, as far as guys who have to sit out and different things like that. You know, it's just a matter of, it's a matter of being fined. It's different. But at the end of the day, the timelines of contact tracing don't change. So, I mean, it is what it is. I, I start, I'm starting to feel like COVID's almost becoming a non-story until – on a Sunday of a regular season game, don't talk to me about COVID, about who's sitting out until a Sunday of a regular season game when a quarterback is out because of COVID. Spencer, do you think they should do continue to do daily testing? It's a very interesting uh, question. Um... All right, let's Spencer. I mean, I mean, it, it depends on how severe this 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 virus is. You know, you have to see like are are guys really getting sick from it. So, I mean, if 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 this is such a big deal, but I, I agree with David. You know, I, I mean, guys in the NFL miss games all the time. You get sick on game day. You get injured. I mean, playing the game of football is incredibly dangerous. I mean, you're you're hitting people at full speed every single. I mean, there's going to be quarterbacks and players. That at Eagles training camp, by the way. At week, at week one, there's going to be guys that are going to tear their ACL and are going to be out. So that's just the reality of life. And I'm and I I doubt that that Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or the headliners or the establishment will be punished. I I'd, I'd be very curious to see that happen. I agree with David on that. Well, one thing I will say is that I do agree daily testing should keep on going because that's what the players agreed to or their NFL PA, whoever they chose in charge of it. So these are the rules. 
I don't mean to sound like the, my point is at this point, COVID is a daily part of life. I don't care who has it at this point. And if you have it, please, you know, I hope that they get better and this, that, the other thing. But as a fan, like last year was like a big deal. One guy has it there, this, that, the other thing. Like it seems like they're shutting down the whole team. Like, okay, there's contact tracing. You're going to sit out your, your five days or whatever. And so be it. I'm just not going to get worried as a fan. Yeah. And if a big name quarterback is out with COVID, then to me, that's when a, on a Sunday regular season game, not like now with Ryan Tannehill, who will be back for the regular season. You know, that's when it's a big deal. Other than that, it is what it is. It's going to be part of our, you know, as we call our show, the changing of the times. I agree. Okay, so let's get back to some off on uh, on field issues and matters, David. You know, I found it interesting. Jacksonville's all of a sudden there's little little rumblings down there. They're not too happy. Some of the players with how Urban Meyer is handling practice and going about it. He's kind of doing that whole college coach mentality type thing. And some of these guys aren't very happy. Are you surprised that Urban Meyer hasn't altered his way to to be of a more pro coach? I don't think all. I don't think that the guys down – my personal opinion is I don't think that this team in Jacksonville, which might I add, and I'm going to state something very obvious to our listeners here, that they were the worst team in the NFL last year. Correct. I don't think that these guys have earned the equity, in my opinion, to make any comment on what Urban, how Urban Meyer should or should not be coaching this team. It's kind of like go back to old um, – John Beeline thing with um, the Cavs. They were terrible. And they were terrible before him. They were terrible with him. They were terrible after him. So this whole thing, all you know, because he was coaching in a college way, right? Well, obviously what happened after him didn't change anything. What happened before? So the time during, you know, whatever, right? To me, it just sounds like a bunch of guys who are unwilling to change and they're threatened by a guy that might demand a little bit more and have a style that might be a little bit different. And if this was Bill Belichick doing things his way and things like that, but it's different than the rest of the NFL, no one say a word, but you know what? You know what? You're terrible. Maybe this guy knows something. I'm not saying that Irvin Myers could be successful. That's not what I'm saying. But shut up. Go play. Just because he's demanding a little bit more out of practice, basically it's what comes out to be a, a little bit more physical in practice and different things like that. Well, guess what? Maybe his way will work if you buy in instead of just being a pansy and not buy into something that you were already terrible to begin with. Spencer, I absolutely agree with David. I would love to have Urban Meyer as a Philadelphia Eagle coach because based on this microwave of a training camp where they're not playing any starters in preseason, let's not forget their start. Jalen Hurts is the uh, quote-unquote starting quarterback, the franchise quarterback right now in Philadelphia. He won't be playing tonight against the Jets. The, the contrast is they're, they're scrimmaging between 75 to 90 minutes, and it's like it's like Pussyville up here uh, right. in Philadelphia with, with a team that's very young and inexperienced. And down there, they're getting after it. You know, what's your thoughts on, on the two styles? It's very it's a it, it's a great philosophical question. I, I certainly think that there were some coaches like Ben McAdoo and Matt Patricia that 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 weren't light, didn't know how to joke around, you know, di- didn't make an effort to to really get to know these guys. But I mean, I'm this you know this could this could also be a couple of disgruntled players. This could also be like one or two guys leaking it to the media, complaining, and 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 you know these guys get paid handsomely to play football. Um, so, so I, I kind of like that. It's kind of the, the old school mentality, so to say, but here's the thing about urban Meyer. He inherited a team 
that he he it's a new regime and he didn't choose these players. So so if they don't like him, he's got to do a job of shipping out the cancers. You see this with new college football coaches all the time, just like Kylan Hill at Mississippi State. If he doesn't get along with the coach, you got to ship him out. And that's what the first year is all about. It's finding out who's with you and who's going to be against you. That's that's the challenge of a first-year coach. And I'm sure that you guys have, have seen that at places you've inherited. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I go back to Memphis. A lot of people, my first year was with Coach Baskner, who was in his first year, and we had like five or six guys returning. And they did not like the mentality like the, that they had. And it was like, this isn't how Cal used to do it. This isn't how Cal used to do it. And our response was, if you were any good, you wouldn't be here, you know? So, but they, and some, some guys, most of those guys graduated and others moved on. All right, staying on field and staying with Jacksonville. David, are you surprised that Urban Meyer named Trevor Lawrence the uh, starting quarterback heading into the season? Absolutely not. But, you know, I don't – my biggest fear for Trevor Lawrence is long-term. Like, I mean, I was watching that game on Monday night in a, in a sports book in Vegas, and, hmm. man – that's a bad team around him. Jesus. Like, I mean, he's struggling and you can see he's really struggling, but, but this team, this offensive line, these receivers, they're going to do him no favors. I mean, you lost your best running back already in the end for the season. I, I don't know. This team's going to do him no favors. He's going to get pummeled all year. He's going to look not so good. You know, my thing for Trevor Lawrence would be, you know, don't be just, don't be afraid to make mistakes this year. You're not going to win. You're not going to go to the playoffs anyway. Go out there, let it rip. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the a negative result. You know they're gonna you're gonna start and just you know play your game and don't get timid because that's my biggest fear with a guy like this is that you're gonna have a very poor offensive line. You know you're gonna throw a couple of picks early and you're gonna become timid and things like that. Just go out there and just live with it one way or the other and just just play. Spencer, is there something maybe Trevor Lawrence could learn from Joe Burrow playing behind a bad offensive line where he tore his ACL? It was the eighth game, eighth game of the season last year, as he was a top, he was a number one pick as well um, that he could learn from. It's going to be a fascinating challenge because I I look at Trevor Lawrence and I mean this is this is this is kind of what is surprising about me is that he doesn't even look as talented as as Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. He, he looks like a decent quarterback in terms of his talent, but he's always had the most talent at his uh, disposal. But like David said, you look at Aikman and Peyton Manning, and I always look at those mistakes of throwing interceptions and in training camp and, and learning about the NFL game. I don't think that that's a problem. I don't like this whole quarterback competition thing. I, I would just stick with one guy, make it pretty obvious um, I, I don't believe in the whole like like competition aspect with that and dragging it out all this way. But but they're in for a rude awakening. There's no explosive plays. Lawrence, honestly, his play on the field, it hasn't really impressed me. He's looked okay, but I mean, if I'm Jacksonville, I look at I look at a guy like Zach Wilson. I, I think Wilson looks even better than Trevor Lawrence so far. And, and, and I don't know, David, if you could say like, oh, the Jets ha have more talent around Jacksonville, maybe a little bit, but they're, they're a crappy team as well. So just with Lawrence, I'm just not sure he's going to make it out. It could be like an Andrew Luck situation. And, and you're absolutely right. They've looked awful in, in this, in this training camp. Now they do play in a terrible division, but there's no explosive plays and the line of scrimmage is just putrid, putrid. 
Okay, so let's go to the number two overall quarterback that was selected in, in Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson looked pretty good last uh, on uh, Monday. Um, he had he threw two touchdowns. David, what's your thoughts about Zach Wilson? Obviously, I don't I don't necessarily know if the Jets have named him the starting quarterback, but there was no they had no quarterback that actually started a game where he actually threw a pass. So I'm assuming Zach Wilson's the guy up in New York. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Uh, I I don't even think that like if they name him the starting quarterback at this point, like you know, it's like. I guess that, that was all. That's a just For a ceremonial, ceremonial moment because he is a starting quarterback. I think that's been a hundred percent obvious since the day. You know, even with Gardner Minshew, could have argued that somehow Minshew would have. You know, and C.J. Beathard. It, I know that you never really taken over Trevor Lawrence, but those are guys that have started games. You know, in theory, they could have lit, lit up a training camp and started for a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, Zach Wilson. I mean, this goes back to my pre-draft. I mean, this goes back to like week two last year. I mean, I, I think the in the college football season, like Spencer knows, I think the world of Zach Wilson. I mean, I think he's just he's the difference. He's that he's that Rodgers-esque, Mahomes-esque like type of twitchy on the run. I'm not saying he's ever going to be as good, but kind of has that feel of that game. You know, just seems to be able to make every throw. He has he's got great feel around him and to me his game equates to the nfl more than you know trevor lawrence's does only in the sense that i think it kind of goes to what if all things are perfect trevor lawrence might be better i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and tell you you know that might not be true okay but zach wilson's the type of guy that does not need everything to be perfect to be highly effective and and very good and that's kind of what he showed the other day. A couple of rollout throws, you know, on the run, has great touch, you know, isn't scared to make a mistake. My favorite quote of Zach Wilson in the offseason was I think he threw like four picks in a practice, right? In the training camp, maybe like his first like practice, and the media gets on him or something like that. And he says, Well, I just, I'm making these throws in practice because in the game, I want to know if I, I can or cannot make them. I'm not going to be, he goes, In practice, I have to learn if I can make these throws. He goes, in the game, I don't want to make the same mistakes. Well, he's looked pretty mistake-free so far in the preseason. I'm not saying he's be perfect, but, I mean, he looks all he looks all the number two pick. Well, David, I, David I will, I'll jump on that. You know, as a coach, uh, as you've coached and as I'm coaching and now Spencer's coaching, we always press our guys to go that much harder because if you make a mistake in practice, guess what? You'll learn from it. And, and you may not make it again in the game, but you'll know. So you go with that much harder. You make the difficult plays in practice. So you learn from, hey, can I actually make this pass? Hey, can I actually make uh, – Can I fit make, it in that window? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So our practice is always harder, right, than the games, and well, you know, you're trying to make it that I way. I don't know. I saw I saw some of Harrington's practice. My God, I sure as hell hope they play a lot harder than, than the practicing right yep. now. Uh, <laughs> and, anyway, well, Spencer, go ahead. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Spence, but there's so much to be learned from practice, and I think this is what like is just one of my favorite quotes of the whole offseason. It's like, it's like you know, you hear about like you know every quarterback, oh he had a bad day in practice, he threw interceptions. It's like, and then Zach Wilson kind of just sh- basically just shut the reporters down. It's like you are allowed to make mistakes and get better. You know, check down Charlie never never wins in the NFL really. That that is exactly right. I'm really excited about Wilson. I will say this for for, for the two teams in New York, the Giants probably have a better roster, better coaching staff. The Jets' future right now with Zach Wilson is just infinitely brighter. 
Um, he's even making guys like Corey Davis, and I, I've loved Corey Davis since he's come out but uh, in the NFL, but he's making these guys look great in the preseason, and he can throw on the run. He's just as talented. And, you know, listen, you know, guys in college for, for, for certain circumstances are not going to be – they might be better when they get to the NFL level. You look at Herbert. Herbert was na- never able to win a national championship, and he looks better than Tua, you know, in the NFL. So, um Wilson's a complete stud. I love how also the Jets didn't bring in a veteran too. I love how they're just giving Zach the keys. I, I usually like that. I like seeing guys figure it out. Okay. All right. So the number three overall pick was Trey Lance. He's been doing really well out in San Francisco. But I heard in a recent interview with Jimmy G, they asked him if he knows who's going to be starting quarterback. And he kind of laughed and he said, he just kind of laughed and said, it's not my decision, but I kind of know where we're going. Uh, all indications are Jimmy G is going to start for for San Francisco. He's also had a pretty good camp. David, when do you think this is a, a mentorship or a learn, like let's sit behind Jimmy G this year? Or do you think at some point this Trey Lance actually come in and take over? I think Trey Lance will come in and take over when Jimmy G gets hurt at some point this year. Well, I, know, I hate to put it that way, but uh, yeah. Jimmy G historically gets hurt. If not, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a red shirt year because Jimmy G will do enough to win games and put you into the playoff race. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan, they had a bad year last year. I I know that they were in the Super Bowl the year before, but everybody's got very short-term memories in this league. I think Kyle Shanahan feels the pressure to make the play, to try to make the playoffs this year. And I think I Jimmy G. they have a good give, roster. What? They have a good roster. Exactly. And I think that there isn't like I know that they drafted a quarterback high. They were bad last year because Jimmy G was hurt and all these things. But there is no guarantee next year that Shanahan would be your no absolute guarantee. I'm saying I don't think he would be fired. But if they have another terrible year, you just go to Trey Lance. and You have a terrible year. The guy could be fired. So that's why I think, you know, Jimmy G's your insurance policy. He's 24 and eight as a starting quarterback in the NFL. It will get you to the playoffs likely with him it, starting a full year, just historically, it would say. So, you know, I'd see this being nothing other than Jimmy G, like he said, all offseason long. This guy's my starting quarterback this year. Spencer, so do you think you think Jimmy G gets uh, rides his whole thing out this year and then um, makes good. a move? I don't think it's going to be. I, I I don't think it's going to be all year. I mean, Jimmy G has to yeah. keep the team very above five hundred. Um, I would say it might be within the first five weeks. Um, I'm not. I mean, I think Lance is is pretty close to Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of you know you could do more things with the offense with him and. You know, this is I, I agree that this is a great team. I think I texted you guys in the group chat. Like, I think they're going to be my pick, you know, coming out of the NFC. I, I said that because I believe if it's either Jimmy or Trey Lance, this team is just so dang good. Um, So it's a little different. Like with the Jets and the Jags, they have no playoff aspirations. So that that's what it comes down to as well. All right. So the fourth quarterback that was taken – was uh was Mac Jones out of Alabama? He's up taken by New England. He's having a great camp. Uh, he he did a lot of first team reps because Cam Newton was out because of COVID protocol. They haven't made a decision yet, David. All indications are that they're leaning with Cam. Uh, would you be surprised in this situation if Mac Jones gets the nod over Cam Newton? Um, if you had asked me this question on Wednesday, I would have told you it's definitely Mac Jones. I don't think he lit up practice against the Giants on Wednesday. If I'm not mistaken, that's the day it was where he yeah. went like 
35 of 40, completed 18 straight passes. I don't think he had that good of a day yesterday. I'm not 100% sure of this. It sounds like it wasn't quite as good. It sounds like can't. It sounds like somehow with in between Wednesday and Thursday, it went from Mac Jones took the job and ran with it to Cam has a slight slight hold on the job. So I have no idea where this will actually end up. I do believe Cam Newton will start Week One and we'll go from there. But I would not be surprised in any way. I mean, I'm basically giving no answer, but you know, I think it's Cam. But if you said well, Mac Jones. Sure. But let's let's ask this question now. If Mac Jones is starting, do do you like having Cam Newton there as a backup or is that a big distraction? How is that a big distraction by when all accounts they say he's a great leader? I just think that you have such a pull I think he's polarizing. You know, he he did he did the dab, you know, he's a he's a loud outspoken leader and for him to not be playing, I think that that it, it, I think he's a very good trade piece. I really do cuz he's Ooh, playing he's awesome in this preseason. I, I I think the Gi- I think the Giants can use Cam Newton. I, I, I think I, I think I, the Eagles can use Cam Newton. I disagree with what you're saying, but yes, I, I don't know. Spencer there's Rockwood. a lot of teams that can use. Cam I dis- Newton. I disagree with what you're saying wholeheartedly and completely. Sure I think why. what you're saying is completely misguided in every sense in every fashion. Okay, I mean, what that Cam is trade? not going to be. When has Cam ever been a backup quarterback? Uh, all right, Spencer, I'm going to say this to you. Guess what? There's never one... been a backup. He got kicked when he when he had an opportunity to be a backup. He got kicked out of that university. Spencer, I'm going to say this to you. All right, there was only one team that called for Cam Newton. It was the New England Patriots. Not even Ron Rivera was reaching out to Cam Newton to join him in Washington. All right, I think right now Cam Newton's a starter. But I tell you what, if they go off slow. I think Cam Newton's career is over. All right, I think he's. He, I think he's at the end of the road. So then you would release him too if he wasn't. No, he's a not starter. S- That's not what I'm saying. You would but keep him as a backup Spencer, quarterback, Spencer. Spencer, just think about this illogical situation you're putting out here. Right? You have a guy in Cam Newton. By all accounts, because obviously you haven't done your research, the New England Patriots abs- not absolutely love him. By all accounts, basically the New England Patriots internally are taking the blame for what happened with this COVID test to Cam Newton. Like, basically, I heard some things that basically Bill Belichick was on the testing team that they messed Cam Newton up, and it wasn't the other way around. Supposedly, Cam Newton is this invaluable leader of this team, and, like, Belichick absolutely loves Cam Newton as a leader, and that's why they brought him back this year because of his leadership qualities. So I don't think if somehow Mac Jones becomes a starter, he's this big distraction. You're just talking with no facts, and you're talking about a dab. Do you and, think? Do you do you think? Do you think that Cam Newton? You think that Cam Newton is is gonna is gonna hang around and be like that that mentor, like even in the following years? Do you see Cam Newton like sticking into England? No, no. How good of a backup quarterback is this guy gonna be? That's the question we're asking right now. He's probably a lead fucking backup. If no, he, I know he's a great lead. I never said. David, I moved him. Oh, my goodness. Don't, oh, my goodness. So, sometimes great leaders can't be backups. That's okay, the but, but either way, you're the you're New England Patriots, and you have to look at it this way, right? Okay, you make Mac Jones your starter. And I, I wish no injury on anybody. You have a backup in Cam Newton who knows your system, has looked good in preseason. But we're going to go with Mac Jones. If Ken Newton says, I can handle this and I'm not going to be, you know, I can do this all this, he's not going to be released. And then you say to yourself, if Mac Jones gets hurt, I still have someone that can help us win football games. Because Brian Hoyer sure as hell cannot do that. 
David, here's the thing though, is that you don't want to put you don't want no no you don't want a Super Bowl MVP. You don't want an MVP. Ten years ago. You don't want to have ago. your backup be too good of a quarterback. Enough, enough. enough no, enough. you want to have a crappy backup. You don't want to have a good He's on mute, David. Yeah, uh, it, it, it it's a uh, what's it called? It's gonna be a back and forth that makes no sense. Well, but, David, um, David David wants an MVP as a backup yeah. quarterback. I yeah. don't want an MVP as a backup quarterback, but guess what? He's able to handle it. I don't think he. I think you also seen Cam over the last few years extremely humble. Here's the one thing I'm we're gonna say. On. Last no, word. Chase no, 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 no. Daniel on. is the perfect backup because he sucks. You don't want to have a good quarterback as your backup. Okay, we're we'll, let's just move on. We're gonna move on. Oh, all right. So let's talk about the fifth quarterback race, uh, the fifth quarterback that was taken, and that was taken in, in uh, Justin Fields. And he actually like, he was the fourth coach. Oh, that's right. He he did get jumped up. I apologize. Number yeah. nine uh, pick. Yeah. Okay. They, they so, named Dalton the starter. QB one. You know he's even though even though while Dalton's saying it's my time, he's looked terrible. People have actually they're booing in Chicago. They think he stinks. They want they want Fields. How long is uh, QB one and Andy Dalton going to be there, David? Um, I think QB one is um has a three week shelf period. <laughs> I mean, they better go two and one. Spencer, I think it's zero. I I think Fields is going to start. I mean, this is a quarterback too that was a backup in Dallas. Mm-hmm. He has never won a playoff game. He is not even close to the resume of Jimmy. So, Garoppolo. so Matt Nagy, after naming Dalton the unequivocal starter two days ago, Fields is going to start. Is that, is that what actually he named him yes. the starter? Yes. Yes. If you were listening to the, if you're listening to me too. Fine, but I'll early. give it. A, I'll give it a half because Nagy has to save his job, and with Fields. Fields adds that running element to this offense. Like, like I think Fields is a better player right now than Andy Dalton. I mean, you need to add that running element to your offense. You don't have great running game. You don't have a great – I mean, Allen Robinson's an all right receiver. I mean, Justin Fields, you look at Jalen Hurts beat the Saints, you need a running quarterback in this NFL. It, it, yeah, I mean, it makes no sense. I agree. Whatever. David said three weeks, it'll be two weeks. You know, this, this isn't lasting a long time. Right. Well, I mean, for me, week three is um the day week, so we could be saying the same thing. I think week three feels the starting. Okay, all right. Uh, th- there's been some quarterback change um, decisions to be made. Teddy Bridgewater named the uh, Denver Broncos starting quarterback ahead of Drew Locke, who you know, I mean, Spencer had him in, in Canton already. Uh, any surprises there? Yeah. Um, well, go ahead, Dave. Spencer, no, Spencer, this is a topic that's very close to your heart, so you 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 take the lead on this one. Well, you know, you, you have to look at the coaches. You know, you have Pat Shermer, who's never been a good offensive coordinator. You know, you, you have Vic Fangio there, who's who's fighting for his job, and, and obviously he wants a quarterback that's going to be safe, not going to turn the ball over. He looks at his defense as being great. He looks at these weapons, as, and he looks at Teddy Bridgewater as the guy that's that's more reliable to win games. But I think that the ceiling is higher with Drew Locke. Drew Locke has has a lot. He has more arm strength than Bridgewater. Hunts big plays. I think Drew Locke has elite level arm strength, elite touch. I've said that for a long time. I don't know if the guy will ever get a chance to play again. 
Um, he, if you remember, he only started four games his rookie year. Last year, COVID year, was injured the entire season. He hasn't really had that full year yet. You know, you look at, at, at year three is when quarterbacks can really shine. So who knows if Drew will ever get that his chance. And in fairness to Drew, he did have two years to play well, and he was inconsistent at best. So um, for Drew, he has to keep his spirits high. He has, okay, to, he has to keep competing. Right. You look at Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was able to do it. Mariota, you know, went to Oakland. There's still an opportunity for Drew Locke, but it's wow. it's going to be tough, and, and we'll see how mentally tough Drew Locke can be over this stretch. David, do you think it has anything to do with George Patton? George Patton drafted, uh, was in Minnesota, uh, and drafted Teddy Bridgewater. Do you think there's uh, some push from that angle to be, be the new general manager in Denver? I mean, I'm not going to argue with Spencer about like things I've said to him in the past about Drew Locke. I agree with Spencer about very talented guy. You know, I think he's got. I agree with Spencer, elite level arm strength. I agree with Spencer, elite level touch. Something I've always said to Spencer though, he's a front runner. Drew Locke, by all accounts in college, was a front runner. He, I'm sure you could point to one, maybe two games in college. That's fine. Where he brought them back, that's great. You can go probably some random Saturday night in South Carolina. You probably can point to. That's not the point here, but the point is with Drew Locke is that something that's always questioned with him is leadership ability. Like you, you hear this constantly. Well, is he really a leader? Does he really want to play football? Does he really want to win the game? And when you hear those questions, I don't know Drew Locke. I don't, I've never met the guy. You know, I'm not in that room. But whenever you start hearing that stuff, it's like, is it real? Is it not? To lose a job for a guy like Drew Locke to a Teddy Bridgewater is so indicative on Drew Locke one way or the other. Because Teddy Bridgewater, we've seen what he is. Okay, with the Saints, he was great. Whatever. But it's still a great team, the Saints. Anyone could win with them two years ago in the regular season, it seems like. You know, but last year he was not great, Teddy Bridgewater. He was okay to below average at best. At best, he was below average. This might be me being nice. And he lost a job to a guy that basically probably wins the job because he's a good leader. So it says a lot to me about Drew Locke, where he is, at least right now. It's like something has to mentally change and click for this guy. And maybe it will because I do agree that there is talent there. And I think immense talent there. I just don't know when does that click for him. You know, it looked like he was doing something right in the preseason, but obviously something within that coaching staff says, we don't want this guy being our starting quarterback, and we want Teddy Bridgewater, who went 4-11 and last year, to be our starting quarterback over a guy who definitely has a higher upside. And right. so it's very indicative on Drew Locke one way or the other. I think something has to change I, in his life. I honestly think it was out of Vic Vangio's hands. I think Drew Locke, you know, uh, disappointed him down the stretch last year when they could have made a run in the playoffs. Uh, and I think they went with a safe pick in Teddy Bridgewater. You know, we'll see how it plays out. Let's not forget there's another quarterback that's, that's susceptible to being getting hurt, too. And um, Carolina wasn't that good last year. So, you they know. were not. No, they were not. no yeah. He's I'm okay. Kind, I'm He's kind of with right. you, Spencer, on the fact I am – I was very surprised, but at the end of the day, like, for me, to lose your job to Teddy Bridgewater, who I don't say sucks. I'm just saying he's, he's on the lower half of quarterbacks in the NFL means – there's something, and he's older and injury prone. All these things, right? And a guy who's supposed to have all this talent. Something about Drew Locke is not clicking. Well, yeah. I think that Fangio feels the hot seat. He's just definitely afraid. I think Locke has the higher ceiling, but he's definitely afraid. He's afraid. He's playing oh, okay. it safe. It's I, like I laying up. It's like laying up on a par five. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this right now, right? Then, if 
you don't think you can make the playoffs with this guy, then guess what? And you're choosing Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke to make the playoffs or to keep your job. That's a fun, that's a problem for Drew Locke and his career moving forward. We'll see how Teddy does if he can hold the job all year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Denver radio stations have spent this much time talking about those two quarterbacks. Oh, um, I think they have. All right. So the other decision, quite obvious, we can agree or disagree. Taysom Hill does not get the nod. Jameis Winston does after a year of tutelage behind Drew Brees. He was the third string quarterback last year. Is anybody really surprised that Jameis Winston became the starting quarterback in New Orleans? In New Orleans, David. Absolutely not. I've said it all. I said it last year. You know, on this show, we can if we were a higher production show, we could pull up the sound clips. I mean, this is always going to be Jameis's job. I mean, my conspiracy theories run wild about why Jameis didn't get the starting job last year. I mean, I think this was all an attempt to hide Jameis. Jameis was always going to be the starter here. This whole thing for Taysom Hill was like, even the contract, the way that they signed to a five year, $140 million contract that was all incentive based. It was wildly just one of the the biggest hoaxes in like NFL history that this guy was ever going to be a starting quarterback, like long term. It's just no shock whatsoever. Yeah, I I look at Jameis too. I think that you look at Winston, and I think it's a real redemption arc from his years at Florida State, where he was, you know, kind of this polarizing figure, getting in trouble, a little immature. He's cleaned up his life. He's he's the leader of that team. Uh, his PR couldn't be any better. You know, this is a guy who threw a lot of touchdowns in the Arian system. I think that Peyton will get the best out of him. I think in fantasy, Jameis Winston is a dark horse to possibly be maybe comeback player of the year. He could be an elite level guy. It's amazing what the Saints do. They they took an undrafted guy from Tennessee, Marquez Callaway, who was absolutely a an afterthought at Tennessee. He was like the third receiver okay. there. He suddenly a great receiver for the Saints. It's just the magic of Sean Payton is magic. He's a top three coach and he's magic. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up our quarterback discussion. Uh, unless I'm missing some some other random. I, I mean, I know Jalen Hurts hasn't been officially named the number. Oh, he's, a starter. he's a starter. Though. Yeah, I could talk uh, all day about this, though. Oh, I bet you could. Okay, but fortunately, we decided that we're going to talk about the AFC North and the NFC North, and we're already 35 minutes into the show. So we're going to go around the board real quick with regard to this. So the AFC North, David, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers who had the longest winning streak in the NFL last year and then dropped four of their last five and got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Ben Roethlisberger returns. That sounds like it's the swan song for Big Big Ben. David, your thoughts on how how the Steelers are going to do this year? I don't think they're going to do very well. You know, my opinion is that – they're gonna they're gonna end up a little bit under five hundred, you know. Whether it's like seven and ten, eight and nine, I just don't see, you know, this team doing very very well. I mean, I think they're gonna be competitive. I don't think they're gonna be absolutely terrible. I think it's a very tough division. You know, you've got the Browns and the Ravens who are the clear favorites in the division, whether you know one way or the other. You know, we'll get into that maybe in the, in the next teams, but yeah, I think that this team is. The third, maybe even the fourth team if Joe Burrow emerges a little bit because, you know, I just think Big Ben is very limited and at this point in his career, he's likely to get hurt and miss time. And are you really counting on Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins behind him to help you out? It's just – it's a ticking time bomb, this team. Spencer, 
I disagree. I mean, this is a 10 and 0 team last year. What does this t- team have? They have defense. They have really good defense. They have a home field advantage. You have TJ Watt. You have, you know, Bush is healthy now at the linebacker position. This team has always had great defense. And now you add in a running back that could potentially be just a stud running back with the receivers that are already there. I mean, this is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They don't have bad seasons. This is good ownership, great coaching. I, I love this team to compete with. I, I love this team to compete with Baltimore uh, in this AFC North. I think they're going to get 11, 12 wins this year. Okay. That's okay. fair. Uh, David, I would kind of side with you. I think this team's in, in rebuild mode, even though they have a history. One of the franchises that has a history of doing very well and they, great coaches, like Mike Tomlin's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Um, you know, and they do have the running back from Alabama, but. I think they've taken a step backwards. I think this division is becoming much more competitive than we're giving it credit for. I think I think Cleveland, which is odd because you generally hear stories come out of Cleveland with all the personalities they have up there. You haven't heard anything. At least I haven't, David. Have you heard anything from about Cleveland being like, oh, it's the Browns again? Oh, my gosh. You wouldn't believe what no, Baker Mayfield no. or Odell Beckham are up to. I've said this for three years with Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham has not been a distraction really up there. And just, you know, kind of everything gets pointed back to the Giants. It does. It seems like it's a little bit changed. Yeah. Maybe you got know, my opinion. I mean, it's just, it's hard to point to things with him. He did you get know. $2 million worth of fake teeth. That was the only thing. No, but, but I mean, at the end of the day, does that affect the other 52 men around him? No. I so, don't think it does. So no. Spencer, does Cleveland become the beast of the North? No, no. I think that they're the biggest seller. I think that their stock is so high right now because they had one good season with a rookie head coach is going into a second year. They were able to beat Pittsburgh last year and Pittsburgh they they Pittsburgh didn't play well in 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 that wild card game. David was right about the Browns schedule last year. Um, and, and you also have Baker Mayfield, who's a decent quarterback. You know, you have these two running backs that I think you look at the Ravens and the Steelers defenses, the Ravens and the Steelers are going to be incredibly tough. And, and I, you look at Harbaugh Tomlin compared to Kevin Stefanski, the Browns are immensely overrated team. You know, even though people talk about the talent that they have on defense and all these other pieces they, they're not, they're not a sustainable franchise of success. They are not, and I'm not buying into this young coach either. This could be a complete blow-up failure because now they finally have expectations, and that's the scariest thing for someone who hasn't got it done is expectations and sustained success, and there's no way they're going to do that this year. Wow. Okay. I would disagree. I really really like what's going on in Cleveland, and I like the fact that they're very, very quiet. I also think Baker Mayfield's seen money that that, uh, Josh Allen just got. And I think he's looking for, to play for a similar contract. I really do. So I would I would go against you, buddy. Um, you want to take some side action, we can do that. Um, all right, so Baltimore, David, they returned that Lamar Jackson MVP quarterback, that guy, you know. Uh, I mean, can he throw the ball? Is he a receiver coming out of college? You know, he's also entering another a, a pretty big contract here himself. You know, they want to get it done down in Baltimore, but nothing's come out yet. Is there a hesitation on Baltimore's behalf right now? Well, I think that there's always going to be a hesitation on Baltimore's behalf because, you know, he is a running quarterback, so it's almost like it benefits them just to wait this out and go year to year, franchise tag him for ne- for the, the eligible two years that he's able to be franchise tagged and then get a long-term deal. That's what I would do because the reality is is that 
He's a great player. Is he ever going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know, but he will get you to that divisional round, maybe conference championship. I mean, he is a great regular season quarterback. There is absolutely no doubt about that. But my hesitancy is not has nothing to do with talent and what he can get done, and people will cite throwing and things like that. There, I I see much lesser quarterbacks in the NFL get paid handsomely to if teams would be drooling all over themselves to be having the type of success that Lamar Jackson brings to the Baltimore Ravens. If you're talking about reality, you know, people like to criticize when he has a bad game in the playoffs. Yes. Maybe he's not the best quarter, not the best quarterback in the NFL, but people would die to have this type of success. But the contract thing, I still think with a running quarterback, the way he is, you know, if you're a franchiser, you say to yourself, am I going to guarantee this guy $150 million to run around and the answer probably is no. So you probably are better off as a franchise going year to year with the franchise tag where you're still going to get paid yearly about the same as the other quarterbacks. Maybe no one's going to be quite as happy, but he's never going to sit out. And that's the reality of it. You know, that's my opinion. Spencer, you've had multiple. You, in fact, you hit Lamar Jackson so hard the Taliban wants your phone number. No, I, I did the first few years, um, but I actually I actually have sympathy for him now because I, I actually think Lamar Jackson, who is always, always very highly rated, I actually think that the people now are too critical of, of Lamar Jackson in the media. Uh, that they've uh, taken including a turn. yourself? They've taken a turn. Um, Lamar Jackson against the Titans. First of all, he had a very good playoffs last year against the Titans. He was really good. I mean, the thing about Lamar Jackson is that I had questions about him, but year after year, this guy has shown consistency. All I wanted was consistency. And last year, you know, he, he didn't have his best. He didn't have his, his best weapons and he still, he still is successful year after year. It's consistency. So I like guys that, that can hang around and are not just one year wonders. And, you know, you you look at Jackson, and this this guy this guy can absolutely win. He's he's actually a great leader, and uh, boy oh boy! But I'm with you guys that I I think that Lamar Jackson, um, I I, I think past his 30s he could be in trouble, and it, it's just this offense is also tailored to Lamar Jackson. Like in in other systems, he might not be as effective as he is in this in, in this perfectly operated system for Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I would have offered him a four year deal because for four years he could still be really really good. But there's going to be a point when when this guy can't run the ball and he's forced to throw the ball later into his career. How will this guy age? It's almost like an NBA player that doesn't have a jump shot. How will the guy age? Okay. All right. Fair assessment. All right, let's dive into the last team of the AFC North. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. David, I'm going to ask you a question. Did Cincinnati make a mistake in drafting Jamar Chase instead of Panay Sewell? I mean, my, my opinion always would be yes. I mean, I think Jamar Chase will be a very good player. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Jamar Chase long-term, you know, gives them, you know, gives them that guy, that playmaker. But, I always think drafting a skill position player that high in the draft at, you know, that not, not four or five is very risky business. But when you have linemen, defensive linemen that historically you, you get more value salary cap wise and different things like that, you know, you know, dollar for dollar where they actually rank, 
So Jamar Chase has to come in and be that guy right away. You don't get a year to like say, well, I'm developing and things like that. So, and Jamar Chase did not play last year. So hopefully he is that guy. My opinion is they made a mistake, but I still expect Jamar Chase to be very good. But, you know, there's no guarantees in anything that Penny Sewell will be great. So yeah, it's 50-50 in my opinion. I would lean, I would lean towards Penny Sewell, but I get it. All right. Yeah. So, so David, I'm going to ask you this question before I jump in with Spencer. Does Cleveland take a, ba- a step backwards? Uh, do, they, do, they, do they take a step backwards or does – uh, Cincinnati take a step forward. Who's going to make the more progress this year? I would say hmm. Cleveland's bar pretty Cle- high. Uh, I think I would expect Cleveland to take a step, a slight step forward because you they did finish third in their division. So if they finish second, it's a slight step forward. Divisional round, you know, is probably where they'll get. So maybe they'll stay even ish. I mean, but uh, I would expect I would still expect um, Cincinnati to take a slight step forward of where they were last year. I mean, I think Burrow will be hopefully a little bit better. I do think no matter what, Jamar Chase improves your team. So just because I think Penn still would have been the right pick does not mean that I don't fully acknowledge that Jamar Chase does improve your team. So I think they take a slight step forward. And I know Spencer and I disagree with this. I expect that the Steelers will be the team in this division that takes a significant step back. Spencer, is Cincinnati jumping up here? Are they making a move? I also also think that the draft pick of of, of Jamar Chase is is pretty much trying to to satisfy your your franchise quarterback. I think that the most important person in the organization is the franchise quarterback. You got to keep them happy. This is one of Burrow's best friends, you know, a guy who played in college. If it was like a Jalen Waddle or a Penny Sewell, that would have been very interesting because it wasn't the prior relationship. So I really think Burrow was pulling the strings, and that's what happens, you know, in the NFL with stars like a quarterback. Um, I Rick, see Cincinnati, Cincinnati will get to seven or eight wins. Zach Taylor's doing a little bit better. They were competitive last year. They're 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 an okay football team. They're a seven, eight win team. Spencer, real quick, what's the best type of quarterback? Pocket pat. What do you mean by that question? A healthy quarterback. Question? A healthy quarterback is the best. Ah, uh, availability. Yeah. Best ability is availability. Oh yeah. What's the best ability? Would have been even in you know question. I probably would have gotten that answer. Okay. So you're right. With all due respect, mm-hmm. as much as you want to be best buddies with your and and they made that choice probably. I got to be honest with you. They look at Penaisal as an all like a, an all pro tackle. I may have gone there to protect him. He's already gotten hurt once. But how do you know Sewell's going to be any good? How do you know Jamar Chase is going to be any good? That's why we roll the dice all the time. No, no, I I understand that. But also with Psyche, I mean, you you look at Aaron Rodgers, how he hates the front office. You you need a good relationship with the front office. Whatever. Mentally, you need to be invested before you physically can be invested. Okay. All right. So, Spencer, I mean, I'll ask you the same question. So, you, you think Cleveland takes a step? You think they're taking a step backwards? So you I think, think Cleveland. Yeah, I'll take Pittsburgh and Baltimore as the two heavyweights, bat duking it out, and Cleveland just, misses the playoffs. Okay. All right. Let's jump into the NFC North. Rapid, rapid fire on the NFC North, David. Uh, lots of lots of uh, lots of fun things happened up in Green Bay, but you know, at the end of the day, the dust settled, and Aaron Rodgers returned for a seventeenth season. Um, one is this his last year up there. Um, yeah, I believe so. I think this is his last year. I think everything's been, I think we've talked about this on the show multiple times. I'm not going to go on a big rant about it. This could be his last year. Everything's set up to be his last year. I think the only thing that possibly keeps him is winning a Super Bowl, and then it becomes hard to leave. 
Okay. Um, Spencer. Yeah. Is, who do you see taking taking steps forward in this division? Obviously, uh, Green Bay has been the focus for a long time. I think the Detroit has been awful probably since Barry Sanders. Uh, you know the Bears are um, the Bears are the most muddling team I'd say in in the division, and then you have Minnesota who's just putting along. Right, right. I think Minnesota is the most interesting team in the division because you have Dalvin Cook, you you have Cousins, you have you have Jefferson. They they did have a terrible preseason. Their coach is irritated every single day. It seems at at, at the team. Uh, you know, it seems like their chemistry is a little weird. At least that's what you see. Um, I think that the team. I mean, I, I think Detroit can be a six and seven win team. So I really think this division is Green Bay and everybody else. I know that that's not exciting, but I guess the team, the most polarizing team I'll give you, coach, is what do you think about the Vikings? Do you think that they could compete for like a wild card spot? What do you think about this team this year? I, I love Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson. I think they have an offense. It's pretty good. Uh, I I don't I don't discount them at all. I, I can see them going ten and seven and sneaking in as a wild card. Um, I think their defense is going to be what what determines that. I, you know, let's not forget Kirk Cousins is up for a contract here. You know, so um, this could be his last year. They could be looking for a new coach, new quarterback. So this is a, this is a big time year for them. Right, David, what's your thought on some Minnesota? They're, they're kind of up. They're, they're always a team that seems that there should be more there, and they just it just hasn't been. I I think that they'll compete for a wild card. Uh, I, I don't see why not. You know, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, not great, but he gets the job done. You know, and w- with some health on the defensive side of the ball this year, you know, and if everybody says healthy on offense, yeah, there's no reason why this team can't be a wild card contender. Spencer, so of all the teams in the division, who do you think they have the most upside? Who takes the, who takes the highest step, or who has yeah. the most upside? Who has the most upside? Well, it's Green Bay. It's Green Bay. I know that, you know, because you still have Rodgers. You, you still have a, a really, you know, you still have Adams and, and the running game there. Um, oh, boy. But but upside kind of means potential, right? Yes. So the Packers have kind of fulfilled their potential. I'll go Minnesota. So I'll go uh, Minnesota with that. But, poten- but upside still means potential, in my opinion, you know, to win. So you got to realize, like, who who's the best team in the division? We'll Green Bay, Green Bay, right? Green Bay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so Green Bay. Okay. So uh, who's going to be the dog in the division? Is it going to be Detroit again, or is it going to be Chicago? David, you want to fire first? I'm going to go with Chicago. I think that they're a dumpster fire. I think that um, the Lions, even though I think that they're a little bit less talented, I think that the coaching staff is motivated coming in. You know, I'm not saying that the Bears aren't motivated, but it's kind of that same old stuff you're hearing, and they're probably tired of it. You know, it seems like Dan Campbell somehow is relating to his guys. You might get these guys to play maybe a little bit harder, and maybe just win a few games based on you know new system. The rest of the league maybe reacts to them, and you know you get a couple wins here or there, whatever. I think that the I just have this weird feeling that you're going to see the Chicago players quitting on Matt Nagy, and this is this is it. This could be and, tremendous for the Giants. I mean, I, I, I'm hopeful that the the, uh, the Giants have the first I'm, pick of Chicago. Yeah, I, I'm very hopeful that the the Bears are a bad team. So uh, Spencer kind of just um <laughs> kind of um, <laughs> kind of just um, exposed my thoughts here. I'm really 
I'm really hoping for an 0-17 year for the Browns. So selfishly, you guys are pulling that the, the Chicago has the worst year. <laughs> yeah, so so, but 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 truly, I think that this has all the makings of a dumpster fire. Oh, truly, Nagy is just—I mean, even with Mitch shining the other day, it's like you know, with, with Nagy. Yeah, I, um, I love I love the Lions too. I love everything about Campbell. Yeah, well, you know, he's definitely, as Mitch Alvin said, uh, one of the greatest sports journalists uh, out in Detroit. Uh, he said that Dan Campbell's press conferences are are daily entertainment. So um, he's always got something to say. David, can a guy like Dan Campbell shake up this franchise and with a quarterback and Jared Goff and new sites, new scenery? Can he do that? Something like that. I don't think Jared Goff is going to be the guy moving forward. You know, I mean, this guy's been this guy's been um. Oh, had one year where he was very good, and then it seemed like the rest of the NFL catched up to him right around the playoff time. He slowed down, and by the Super Bowl, don't get you can't discount the guy who took you to the Super Bowl. So, even if there was a terrible call in the process, that should have made the Saints go to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. He, but at the end of the day, he brought the Rams to the Super Bowl, so I'm not discounting him completely here. But he seems like a guy that, even though he's semi young and got paid a uh, ridiculous. Ridiculous amount of money for what he actually is. I just don't see him the this being the guy moving forward, you know. But I like what Dan Campbell's doing. I think he he brings a positive message, and he's a guy who has played in the league. So when he asks a little bit more of his guys, unlike those pussies down in Jacksonville, you know, where they cite, well, this is a college guy, he doesn't understand the NFL, you know which I think is all BS, you know, as I said, those guys are terrible anyway. Um, you know, it seems like these guys are maybe a little bit more willing to do it right now because he's been in the NFL, he's been in their shoes, and he can relate to them. So you might get – that might be good for one or two wins, but philosophically, the it's not Dan Campbell that's going to really turn this whole thing around by himself. You're going to need the GM and the rest of those guys in the front office to start making the right moves eventually. And that's something that has seemed to avoid them for the last, um, I don't know, eternity. Well, they're making uh, – that's why it's great. If I can have one job in the NFL, I would love the Lions job because if you win there, you're a hero. You could say that about almost every place, Spencer. You can like – like the NFL is a league full of parity. You know, you, uh, outside, uh, <laughs> outside of – Well, the Steelers. Okay, okay, let's put it this way, right? Outside of the New England Patriots at yeah. this point, right? And okay, maybe just the Chiefs at this point, but even at that, what where would you not win and be a hero? Eagles, Eagles. Are you kidding me? No, I believe that Doug Peterson would still be the coach of the Lions if he won a Super Bowl there. Doug Peterson will be revered in this town forever. I mean, he really will, Spencer. So Doug Peterson just needs a few years. Doug Peterson needs a few years to like, you know, like for all the dust to settle and the Eagle, no offense coach, but the Eagles to just kind of still be shitty. And everyone in a few years will be like, oh, I wish we had Doug Peterson. Well, I got to be honest. Well, watch how time goes. They don't even have to wait till a couple of years, David. They're going to watch this year because you have Nick Sirianni, who is the puppet master for Howie Roseman. I mean, this guy's a joke. I, I have no faith. I cannot wait. I'm actually pulling for a team to go 0-17 this year because I can't wait to see – Nick's goofy press conferences after every week. And Spencer and I were fortunate to have play golf with Seth Joyner. And he's just one of the best post game guys ever. And he will, he can't, he thinks it's a joke so far. All right, David, we're, at, we're closing in on an hour. Let's David wrap the show up. Can we uh, talk about what's coming up? Uh, we're two weeks away. 
We'll probably get back at some point next week, David. Yeah, at some point next week, um, I'll be back. But you know, you know, we we, we still got to preview the NFC, the, the South divisions and the West divisions. But and then, and then we're gonna start doing some the spreads and uh, the the uh, winning number. Uh, how many games are gonna win versus Vegas's odds? So I, I was thinking about you know I was thinking about this last night. You know what? When are we gonna do this famous dinner? You know, right, right. Well, that's that's something that, you know. We're running yeah, out of I, time. I, I have come up with a date. Yeah, in the near near in the near near future, if it works for everybody. Okay. It yeah. doesn't have to be at some fancy schmancy steakhouse. It could be chicken pizza. I don't care. I'll come down for the day. Okay. Saturday, September fourth, the first real week, week one of college football. Is that next weekend? That's next week. Yes. I'm in. Not this upcoming weekend. It'll be the first real week of college football. Uh, I I'll, let's get back to you on that. Um, and I, I don't think the holidays are that way. The Jewish holidays. I don't think no, they're Saturday. Labor Day weekend. If coach can't do it, we'll come up with another day. Well, da- David, I I'll t- I'll then take care of you. Yeah, you, you know? can come down and hang out with Spencer. Uh, yeah, I got one out of the way. Well, coach, I don't know. I, yeah. I might be more likely to. Uh, I'm just David, come on, to- David. He could take you to Glifties and hang out with the coaches. By the yeah, way, you can hang out all day. Good, good luck tonight. He's Harrington. gonna love that. Harrington. Good luck. I'm, I'm pull, I am. I am now Harrington Harry Football's Harry. biggest can, can fan. I am. Can we get some gear? Back there, coach. I will not be at the game. Unfortunately, it's quite a drive. But Why don't you guys round up some? Round up some fans and let's get hundreds of fans coming in. You know, well, that's Bruce happens, uh, coach to uh, promote your game. We just need to pay a bunch of actors. Spencer, is Bruce coming to the game tonight? I think he will be there. All right, well, okay. Good luck tonight, Spencer. Man. I'm really pulling for you. Um, I, I, man, in another life, I would have done. I would have played football like Coach Daish and been yeah, a legendary yeah. slot receiver. But uh, I'm okay. coaching, which is just as good. Kicked on a regular basis. Um, Harrod and Rams. What is what is the most important game? The first game. Yes. No. You, the, the most important. The most important game is the game that week. You go out and win the week. Go one and zero for the week each week. One and zero championship season. All right, All right guys. Godspeed. Right, this, well, was God, this was fun. This was a great show. And until next time, this is Changing the Times. Out. All right, Spencer. Good luck. Wait, is it? We're still recording. That's frozen right now. Yeah, hold on, it's definitely out. Okay. See ya. See ya.